Interconnect is an EU-funded energy project that is part of the Bridge Initiative. The project focuses on interoperable solutions connecting smart homes, buildings and grids, while it gathers 50 European entities in its consortium. Together with David Emmanuel Rua, the project's manager and my guest for this episode, we're going to discuss about Interconnect's seven large-scale pilots, as well as lessons learned, now that the project is approaching its conclusion in October 2023. Welcome to the EU Project Zone, a podcast series from Enlit and Friends, focusing on the energy transition and the EU Commission-funded projects that will help us achieve it. My name is Areti Daradimu, and I am the host of the EU Project Zone. Hi, David, and thank you very much for being here. Thank you very much for having him here today. Let me start immediately with my first question to you. Uh, I would like you to please describe in a few words uh, the Interconnect project. Not easy. <laughs> thank you very much for the invitation, but this is a very large project. But if I if I was to summarize it in a few words, I would say it's designing the, the basics and the tools for cementing interoperability of digital systems uh, that cover the demand side, so the consumers and part of the grid, the distribution side. So what we are building up here, it's uh, on top of the semantic development such as Sarif that was already introduced for some years now. And we are creating the tools to Sarify different components and different systems that allow the interaction between them to produce what we call uh, energy and energy services. Ultimately, to engage consumers in uh, having a strong participation on their side to, to, to make a difference in terms of the energy management. But more on that, perhaps in the next questions. Okay, so as you mentioned the next questions, I can't help but ask which needs of the energy, uh, of the EU energy sector is it covering and how? Well, we all need to cover this as uh, uh, R&D projects that, that are financed by the, the European Commission. We do need to cover in this particular part of the energy sector. So one of the points that is clearly covered is, as I was mentioning, the demand side. So we're creating this uh, tool, this technology, the technology frameworks that ultimately for the consumer will be reflected in a set of services that he will be uh, able to use uh, to improve and to optimize the way the energy use is being made in their own households, in their own, um, let's say, backyard. The point that uh, clearly distinguishes us from the previous approaches is um, the, the flexibility or demand side flexibility, which is the goal, it's only achieved if we have ways of making sure that technology does not create any barriers to the end consumers. So uh, by having the end consumers participating uh, to specific signals that can be um, provided to them, we can then articulate with the new generation of energy and energy services ways to make the, the consumers that we all are active elements in the in the, in the puzzle that um, the energy sector needs to have. So ultimately, as consumers uh, that have their life also uh, taken care of with appropriate services, we are more willing to participate in this. Uh, our focus being, of course, the framework. So what does exactly, what we need to do exactly to make the ICT interconnection between the different systems work. As you mentioned earlier, this is a big pro uh, project and it has about 50 entities participating in it. So I would like to ask you, briefly again as much as you can uh, who is involved in the project it's in fact a big consortium so we're made of r d institutions uh, we also have manufacturers and from this side manufacturers we have 
manufacturers of smart appliances because one of the points that we are engaging in is of course the end use of systems that the consumers have so manufacturers of dishwashers washing machines and dryers it's something that are part of the consortium but also others such as heat pump manufacturers ev chargers and so on so these are the kinds of manufacturers from the demand side we also have manufacturers from the the tertiary side because we are also engaged from the demand side and non-residential cases such as supermarkets. So we also have manufacturers coming from the industrial side with industrial systems. Uh, also part of our DNA, we have uh, integrators that make sure that all of the elements work together, ICT companies, DSOs, and we have then service providers on themselves, uh, which are very specific um, in the products, which is for instance, the case of supermarkets. So we also have the, the entity that manages the supermarkets as well as hotel chains and many others. So we also have service providers. Uh, to complete the whole set, which is big, as you mentioned, we are 50, so we're quite wide. Uh, we also have the DSOs, uh, which represent this linkage with distribution grid. So the part where we interact with the grid side, and we have then a set of associations that range from uh, manufacturer associations, from standardization associations that clearly bridge the gap with the regulatory front where we need to have um, also a clear contribution made. Who would you say is the target audience of such a project? <laughs> quite a few, quite a few. The, the, the main one, I would say, are consumers. Um, well, they are they are indeed the focus where we need to provide this because ultimately, although they are not uh, direct stakeholders from the project, they do take part of, of a large front that we have for the demonstration where they will be using technology for this. And uh, also as consumers, we can include here end users overall because then we are our role as as users is not just as consumers it's also users of other services in other buildings so consumers are definitely the the, the first one there uh, then we have other uh, stakeholders that clearly we're targeting to namely the, the integrators service providers the companies that are part of our consortium that are developing uh, interoperable technologies that will support their business forward and will support new services and new ways of creating opportunities for them which uh, will include, of course, the consumers once again, um, as also as uh, as targets that we need to achieve are, of course, on the other side, on the other side of the spectrum is uh, the regulations of regulatory bodies, the, the European Commission and itself. Um, so everyone that can benefit from the lessons learned that we have from the project and can understand that what we are developing can uh, reach out to the end consumers and that, in fact, technology is not a barrier. Uh, need to be engaged also to show what we achieve and what others can achieve on top of what we did already or we are uh, finalizing. Um, I would say also uh, in this chain then that engagement that we need to have uh, the, the one of the target audiences are of course um, the industry overall so the service providers as I would mention uh, earlier on this is fundamental because they are the ones that will take forward what we develop in the project in the first hand and this is for us really really important. I want to say one second uh, at, uh, at the end consumers that you mentioned as as target audience. Uh, one of the main goals of the project, if I'm not mistaken, is to bring efficient energy management within reach of the end users. Now, given the diversities in the various EU countries, how feasible do you think uh, that this goal is? We are a large project uh, and we do represent, uh, uh, let's say, a significant portion of, of the European landscape, but we, we don't represent it at all. But we are confident that the representation we have is, uh, let's say, wide enough and can be used as a good example of what can be then uh, outreach to other countries. 
In fact, we have other mechanisms in the project that outreach beyond even the consortium that we can even discuss uh, into this session. But anyhow, the diversities, uh, the question at hand. Uh, well, first of all, we did develop our, our approach based on, on a set of architectures and systems that are focused on the semantic interoperability side. So we've made sure that we cover the whole landscape of standardization, which is important. And the standardization is what guarantees us that most of the cases are covered and everyone understands each other under the same rules and approaches. And the project does exactly that. So that's the first way of making sure that we approach this. Also, we did a, a comprehensive mapping of services that are EU-wide. Uh, and this comprehensive mapping included the diversities of the different countries. It's um, you can find commonalities in the in the energy services uh, for specific countries such as Portugal as well as in France, but you will find also distinctive factors. So, ultimately, in this definition that we had, which use user centric and design thinking uh, methodologies, we did include the angle from the consumer side. So this included the diversity of those that will be using the service. So. Combining this diversity that we have from the consumers and also the standardization lane that we always need to, to, to follow, uh, it, this led us to an architecture that's the basics in the ground from the project and what we believe are the two uh, exploitable results that, to, that we have on the project, the semantic interoperability framework and the DSO interface. Just in a nutshell, uh, these are just two points that we can discuss in more detail, uh, I, I guess that allow this diversity to be covered because we, we cover and we support different angles and we don't impose one specific solution. Otherwise, it would be really, really difficult to have even partners that are competitors in the market participating collaborative in a project. So we we provide this, this framework um, without actually imposing more barriers, more ways of, of doing. Actually, what we do is quite the opposite. Yeah, it would be difficult not to mention arrogant for one to, to think that uh, could include the entire, um, let's say, European continent. So I'm, I'm really happy that you're saying that it shows how down to earth this, this project is. And this is precisely what we need in, uh, in Europe. Uh, so there are seven big pilots uh, for, uh, for this project in seven different European countries. So what are the differences among them and how would you compare them? Well, uh, this follows the, the, the previous question. Uh, so um, the, the seven countries uh, are, let's say, the, the, the representation that was possible to have for the project. And they are covering, um, again, different aspects, different regulatory aspects, different contextual aspects, uh, but also in, in many of them, different application scenarios where we have, well, uh, Ultimately, we always enable and, and cross this technology between the grid and the buildings, but buildings themselves, it can be residential, they can be, even residential can vary a lot, and also tertiary uh, buildings. Uh, we don't go as much for, for industrial buildings, but within these two types of buildings, that already shows that if you spread this, this, the, this differentiation also across the seven uh, countries that support this, we have uh, a wide set of use cases, which are representative, but they are not by any means uh, fully scoped within what you can find in, in European wide. But still, uh, this allows us to have, again, uh, two approaches here. First of all, since we're designing services to, to trigger the demand side and demand side flexibility, we have different angles to do that and different vectors of flexibility to that. We can go, for instance, for the residential cases where we'll find 
besides the smart appliances, uh, we can find also heat pumps, EV chargers that we can we can we start now finding in our households to use this uh, portfolio of flexibility to better manage uh, that household, that specific building. But it's different from doing it in Portugal as well as it is from doing it in, in Germany. Then we need to combine this with differentiated price tariffs with different incentives that users can have from service providers. And this will ultimately uh, differentiate the approach from the res residential case. Also, the portfolio on itself can 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 vary the, the application um, uh, in, in quite a bit. The the, um, the part on the, the non-residential tertiary building, this is where you can find communalities, but but very specific approaches you can still find. And one of the demonstrators or one of the cross themes that we have from demonstrators is electric mobility. And you can find it as again in uh, households, so in in, um, in residential cases, but you can also find in uh, tertiary buildings. So one of the mobility cases is uh, supermarkets that we have in Portugal. And another one is um, also mobility in hotel chains that's happening in Germany. We also have district um, uh, support to the EV charging in France. So to say that this diversity that we have uh, led us to have two approaches. One, it's the, the transversal themes from energy flexibility uh, throughout Europe and different approaches to them, and then specific applications towards specific scenarios, because even the pilots themselves do have specific um, uh, characteristics. Take this example, for instance, the Italian case. They are engaging consumers overall for demand side flexibility, including buildings, tertiary and non-tertiary. But in the residential case, they are approaching social housing, which is then quite different from the rest. But it's still residential, uh, but the social housing does introduce specific challenges for the use case itself and, of course, being applied to the Italian case. But anyhow, this difference between us, it's what allows us to show specificity in some cases, but also to show that the transversal themes that we are covering EU-wide can be done and can be applicable to all of them. Another issue I would say is um, uh, regulations and especially local rules and regulations, which might be different from country to country, even within the, the union. How do you tackle this, uh, this issue? Uh, again, standardization is is key here. So uh, when departing from uh, from uh, the standardization side, uh, which has already uh, a massive work done in several fronts, um, including this one that I was mentioning, uh, but they they go beyond that. Uh, from our tech, from our uh, point of view, we we are and we were and we are still focused in the technical side of this. So to build up the the, the platforms, the ICT systems, and allow them to interconnect uh, with each other using uh, what we call the, the semantic interoperability uh, approach or the semantic interoperability framework, which is in fact um, a framework uh, which uh, is provided to those that are uh, willing to develop their own services to, to find connectors between their services and allow them to, to fit them together as pieces of the puzzle. So this is a uh, what we provide is the, the 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 shaping up of the connectors between the pieces and make sure that they work with each other and we understand each other. This is in fact uh, compatible with this uh, the with the, the, the standardization um, initiatives in Europe. Namely, I mentioned this earlier. We do depart from SARF, which is something that's being highly promoted by Etsy. And it's already a, a standardized approach to the use of devices, systems, well, assets in general in buildings and buildings themselves, and many more because there are the extensions there. And this, in fact, provides us to have a sound approach that every country can follow because uh, this is EU-wide 
so this is something that it's covered by ETSI, which is a, a European association. And this also um, ensures that this is widely adopted, can be widely adopted by everyone. There's one specific element here that I would like to raise is the fact that this key exploitable result that we call the CIF, the Semantic Interoperability Framework, it's not self-imposing. Uh, what do I mean by this? It's it's not something that you should use on one specific element and one entity or set of entities has, let's call it the ground truth about this and make this available for everyone else. No, what we develop is the methodology, the systems, and we have the framework fully open and our results are completely public. And we have several repositories where, where um, entities willing to um, make use of the semantic interoperability framework can use the same methodology, instantiate on their own backyard, so to say, and use it. So then it's up for those that are part of the movement to create the necessary infrastructures and platforms to interact with each other to support the service that they want to support. This is, in fact, the reason, the, 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 the motive that allows us to have this, uh, again, set of partners that, that compete with each other in the market, but also covering demonstrators that go beyond the project. So we also have the cascade funding as part of the project. We will have uh, SMEs and startups being brought into the challenge to develop very specific um, uh, services and systems to be integrated on their own backyard. And again, this only works uh, in our view uh, if we have the tools and the mechanisms provided to everyone so they can instantiate and learn from the process. Then there's plenty of information ranging from uh, deep and hard coding with our repositories, with tutorials, videos, that for those willing to, to, to develop standardized and uh, semantically interoperable components, they can do so. And this is, in fact, what allows us to cover this EU-wide perspective. That is understandable. Uh, however, I want to stick a little bit uh, to, to, the, to the rules and regulations for my final mm -hmm. question. I just would like to ask you, what do you think local authorities and the EU Commission could do from the front of rules and regulations to assist Interconnect and projects like Interconnect to achieve their goals? Well, uh, first and foremost, it's uh, initiatives such as the bridge, for instance, where we share all of these experiences uh, between projects that allow us to grow together. Uh, ultimately, uh, the objective set in the project from the very beginning, um, they need to be readjusted. So this collaborative and this interaction um, actions with the Commission are always important to adapt to, to the context. We see now today, for instance, that our context is quite different after moving from the pandemics to a now a scenario where we're facing even uh, what we can think of uh, the basis for an energy crisis uh, throughout Europe. This clearly shows how the commission is important and how important are also the project's developments to be linked with the societal changes and the fact that um, as projects are financed by the commission, we do translate value to the society. The commission on itself and other entities such as uh, regulatory uh, authorities and even public authorities uh, from each of the countries are important also to be involved in showing how exactly the, the developments that we're doing in the projects such as Interconnect can actually reach out to the end consumer. And later on that they set the basis for companies to pick upon, but there are still gaps. So we identified gaps in the projects. We know that even the service that we developed, they are still lacking from, uh, from uh, the regulatory um, 
well, better framing because uh, for this service to be innovative, some of them still don't find the proper regulation on the field. And this is where I believe the Commission can have a definite role. So uh, we have, uh, as well as many other projects, identified these gaps that need to be covered. And it's important that working together with the Commission, regulatory, uh, regulatory bodies and uh, local authorities that we have, um, an opportunity to, to say why this gap needs to be covered, why this is uh, limiting or maybe limiting some of the um, services, some of the, the outputs that even companies that are also part of these projects are clearly um, willing to invest and to take forward. But there are still some either smaller barriers, some bigger barriers and some gaps and gaps are also emissions that we are also we're also standing and say, OK, for this to take place, this needs to be resolved first. But this for, for us to show for piloting, it's not a barrier because it's a pilot and we can show it. But later on for larger pickup, definitely something that we, we are keen on collaborating with the, the European Commission. Exactly. And like you said, uh, collaborations and networking between projects and between people that work in various uh, areas of the energy sector and in different countries can help a lot. And if I may say so myself, this is where uh, 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 events like Enlit Europe and the EU Project Zone can, uh, can be of help in disseminating and in uh, uh, networking. David, thank you so very much for being uh, here with me. Thank you. And thank you. And thank you all. You've been listening to the EU Project Zone podcast, brought to you by Enlit and Friends. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and the Enlit Europe website. Just hit subscribe, and you can access our other episodes too. I am Areti Daradimu, host of this podcast series, and I thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm.